good morning, everybody. How are we all doing today? Let's get rid of that, and let's get rid of a couple of other things. Good morning. My name is Pastor George Gray. Welcome to Between Meals Video Podcast, where we spend some time each week talking about Bible things, because that's what I enjoy doing. Good morning, Cindy. How are you doing? If you're on today while you're while we're going through, feel free to uh, uh, pop up a comment. I would love to hear from you. If you have a question, drop it in the comments. Um, I can see them all here through the uh, through the interweb and all that other wonderful stuff. So um, we've got some neat stuff for you today. Um, I got to tell you, uh, this is this will be a slightly different one today. Um, uh, I sort of went and accidentally got myself all worked up about something, and um, it just kind of is what it is. So we're gonna we're gonna go there. So. Um, because this is going to be listened to down the road, I want to do a couple of quick things. If you are uh, uh, if you are a fan of this, um, do me a favor and uh, either watch it from my first five Facebook page or from the um, Between Meals um, uh, YouTube page. Uh, because down the road in uh, in a few weeks, those are the only two platforms this will be available on. Um, we're kind of in the process of 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 diverging things going on. David, good, good to see you here this morning. Um, uh, Pat, good to see you here this morning. So let's uh, do a couple things. If you're not familiar with my YouTube page, you can find it right there. I believe that is a link. So if you actually click on it, you can you can get there. Um, if you do it really fast, you might even be able to get there before we even get get moving. But um, it would be great. Um, and if you're confused about which, which YouTube channel it is, you're looking for that icon. So that's the one that you want to be looking at. If it says River of Life Fellowship, you're on the wrong page. Um, so that would be that would be fantastic. Although River of Life is a good page because I'm also there as well. So um, so there you go. I'm gonna leave that up for a couple of different minutes. A uh, couple of different minutes. What's a different minute? How is one minute different from the next? I'm pretty sure they're all 60 seconds, which makes them all minutes. So there you go. Um, are you guys wondering how much coffee I've had this morning? So um, yeah, so like I said, I got an interesting thing for you uh, for you today. Um, this should be uh, should be fun. Um, yeah, so let's 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 just jump right in there. So today, um, I want to talk about a few things, mostly about something that got me really really irritated. Uh, a couple of days ago, and I've been sort of stewing about it for a few days. So this may be slightly more rantish, and if it is, I apologize. But I, I would have to uh, to believe that it will also be fun, uh, entertaining, and as well as educational. So hang hang out there. Um, um, if, you, if you want to share this with some friends, because this could be interesting. So um, uh, as Christians, I believe, I'm pretty sure, um, that we are supposed to be working to spread the gospel message, right? Um the gospel is is it. It's all we're supposed to be doing. That is our main focus on everything. We serve the Lord. We serve. Uh, we follow His lead through the Holy Spirit. Um, we're supposed to walk in humility. We're supposed to walk in honesty, uh, and we're supposed to walk in integrity, being devoted to the the Bible and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's that's the job of a Christian. Okay. So the other day, I was uh, working on today's podcast actually, and um, I stumbled across something, and I, I really mean. I stumbled across this. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't trying to find a way to be irritated. Um, I just kind of stumbled across this because uh, uh, just because of the way that I happened to study this just really just fell in my fell in my lap. And I thought it was very interesting. Um, so I was writing and when I'm when I'm preparing, I have a tendency of uh, uh, good morning, Sandy. Uh, I have a tendency of writing and just just kind of writing whatever's on my mind. And, and every now and then I'll uh, I'll write and my natural sarcastic side will come out. Now, those of you who don't know me very well, I have what is known as the spiritual gift of sarcasm. I was born with it. I've developed it to a high degree for most of my life. Um, and it, is, it has become a real close friend of mine. And we, we, we work well together. Um, and as I'm, as I'm writing, I thought I was going to be continuing on the conversation that I started on Sunday, which was about hope and spreading the gospel and how we're supposed to take the message to, uh, to, to the lost. And, um, as I'm writing, I uh, let me let me change a couple of things here. I want to get uh, us up here where we're supposed to be. Yep, excellent. Um, so as I'm writing, I I I type out this question, and and you'll see where part of the question is 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 actually sincere, kind of theologically grounded. And the other side, my sarcasm pops out, and this is where this all started. So the question basically is this: It says, "I wonder what would happen if I uh, if we put the bulk of our efforts into being able." Uh, into uh, being able to defend and explain our faith with a high degree of historical and theological accuracy instead of taking classes to become a certified prophet. And now, obviously, I was being sarcastic when I, when I, when I typed that. And when things like that come out, I tend to stop and go, okay, 
was this, am I, am I pushing it a little bit? I mean, what's really going on here? And so the, the thought popped in my head, you know, not only is that crazy and sarcastic, there's no way that could be real. There's just no way that, that any, any organization is going to be dumb enough to try to do certified, you know, you're a certified prophet. You're not just called to be a prophet from God. You're certified. Um, and I was like, there's no way that this is real. Folks, it's real. It's a real thing. I made the mistake of Googling this and you've, you, it's, it's, it's just unreal. Like this is the page. This is the first page. Prophetic training and certification. Um, um, uh, uh, prophetic certification programs, prophetic ministry. How, what's, what was the one down there? Um, oh, where was it? Where was it? Uh, how to become a certified, a professional prophet in five steps. Wow. Is that not a two o'clock in the morning infomercial just waiting to happen? How can we become a certified prophet in five easy steps? Man, you know, if you're just, if you're struggling with employment and you're trying to find something to do, man, have I got the thing for you. You can become a prophet of God in just five easy steps. I'm going to walk you through this. And not only that, we're going to certify you. And that certification recognized around the world. You... (laughs) Have got to be kidding me that this is that this is actually real. Check this out. These are some of the websites. Certificate uh, certificate in prophetic ministry online. This this isn't even just a this isn't even a class where you spend time working with and being mentored by people. This is an online prophetic certification program. Okay, how about the one below it? Um, um, Christian prophetic certification programs. This is a different website. This is a different Bible school. Okay. It says receive your certification. Um, uh, what is it? In, uh, in prophetic, uh, in prophetic studies. Hey, at least I can, I can deal with that. Studying the prophetic is a good idea. Becoming a certified prophet. That's another thing uh, altogether. Now at the bottom, another one of the programs that they, uh, if you look at that they offer is a certification in Christian healing. So not only can you become a certified prophet, you can become a certified healer. That's good because that's that's really awesome. I think that's really really fantastic. There are dozens and dozens of schools, places calling themselves Bible schools, inviting Christians to come in and pay money to do these programs. I, I'm not even sure where to start with this. This is this is so insane. You've got to. It's, 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 ah! Think about this. You might be used as a prophet. God may use you in the prophetic ministry, uh, and you may be used in a prophetic ministry for years and years and years. What happens when someone comes in and says, uh, uh, you know, I know, I know God has used you in the prophetic ministry, but... Have you become a certified prophet? Have you become a certified prophet? Have you got your license to be a prophet in the in the world today? <sighs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. It's it's so it's so insane to even think that this is a real the a real thing, and people are paying money, well intended. I'm, I'm not talking about the people who who want to to actually um pursue something like this they may have a perfectly good motive in their heart but these are organizations who believe that that certification actually has weight actually has value this is this is from from the school standpoint it is so arrogant and ungodly self-serving idiotic and theologically bankrupt it's trying to get people to to actually dedicate themselves to that rather than the pursuit of what God actually encourages us to follow. <laughs> Think about this. Um, who in their right mind thinks for a second that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as spelled out in the Bible, the ones that the Bible itself tells us are given according to the will of the Holy Spirit, by which, uh, and for the purpose of the Holy Spirit, which are predetermined by God, which by the way means that we don't tell God how He's going to use us or in what capacity. 
Lord, I know you want to use me to, to, uh, to, to teach the Bible to kids or to go into, in, into missions or to just help my neighbor. I know you really want me to do that, but you don't understand. I have gone to Bill and Ted's excellent school of prophecy, and now I am a certified prophet, so you need to use me in this way. This is so ridiculous. Bill and Ted's excellent school of prophecy. Sorry. I, that, that just, see, anyway, we're just moving right up. He tells us what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, and how it will be done. And then he, through the Holy Spirit, determines what gifts we will be given to make that, to, to make that happen or to bring that into, in, into process. It's, it's just crazy to, to, to think this, this other way. But this, this, this just kind of led me in this whole other discussion in my, in my own mind. And unfortunately, now that it's been in my mind for a little while, it's going to drop out on this screen. So, um, but people say, you know, and, and, uh, in, in my mind, I argue with myself in my mind. So as I'm going through, I'm saying, but pastor, um, you know, first Corinthians tells us to eagerly desire the greater gifts, doesn't it? So shouldn't we desire these things? Isn't this something that we're supposed to, 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 to be pursuing? Sure. So let's go to that section of scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. Let's read it. I'm going to read out of the NLT because I think it makes it very, very simple to understand here. It says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Cool. Awesome. Great. So here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, uh, and those, uh, those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healings those who can uh, help others and those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in uh, unknown languages or tongues, as we like to call it. Um, uh, uh, but then Paul says, but are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Now, these are questions. These are rhetorical questions. They demand the answer, no. Um, so do we all have the power to do miracles? No. So let's get this really clear. Are all, pro- all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Even if you go to school to get certified. Um, and, you know, are we all, are all teachers? No. Do we all have the power to do miracles? No. We don't. Regardless of whatever school of supernatural ministry you may go to, we don't all have the power to do miracles. It's not up to us. Do we all have the gift of healing? No. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? No. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No. Oh, and by the way, if you think I'm making it up, Paul ends it with, of course not. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Ah, so should you earnestly desire, so you should, he says you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Some, some Bibles translate that the greater gifts. Uh, it's not a level of, of, um, uh, a level of greatness of the individual. It's, it's the, it's the way the gift is applied. So eagerly desire the most helpful gifts. But then he says this. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best. That is best. That's better. That's better than all of that other stuff. Oops, excuse me. um, Let me show you a way of life that is way better than anything you may be pursuing in in the realms of the supernatural. So so Paul tells us to desire the greater gifts. you know, things like uh, to be to be used in areas of like healing or uh, in, in prophecy. We should be desiring that God would use us in those ways. But we also should be humble enough and, and selfless enough to allow God to determine when and where that's going to happen. Um, also, obviously, unless you get your certification from one of those online educational institutions that can give you a certification for prophetic ministries. And by the way, no, I'm not going to drop that because I find it so irritating. <sighs> so how do we know? <laughs> <laughs> so how do we know what we're supposed to do? So if 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 this isn't the way, you know, then um, I, sorry, I didn't take that from the Mandalorian. This, this is the way. Um, for those of you who are Star Trek geeks, some of you are laughing right now, and the other ones are scratching their head trying to figure out what I was just talking about. Um, uh, uh, Jay, Kathy, <laughs> all of you, good morning. Um, so let's, uh, yeah. So let's let's keep going. So how is it that we're supposed to know what we're supposed to do as a believer? Because as believers, we're supposed to be involved, right? God wants to use us. God wants to, to, to deploy us into the community. He wants us to be useful and fruitful for him. Yes, absolutely. That is that is obviously something we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing. But Paul says to eagerly desire, or more to the point, live your life in a manner that allows God to use you in whatever a whatever way he chooses. And that is so fundamentally important for us as Christians. When we choose, willingly choose to, to live our life in a way where whatever the circumstance is, whatever is going on in the world today, we allow God to decide what he's, what he wants us to do 
and then we do it willingly without arguing, without fighting, without, without being, con uh, you know, without being uh, uh, arrogant about it. We do it because simply because he asks us to do it. And, and, and we do it because he has already forgiven us. We love him because he has already loved us. So when Paul says, but now let me show you something even more important, even, even more important than that. He goes on to tell us what the, that kind of life, the kind of life that lives to be used in whatever way God chooses. He goes on to tell us what that life looks like. And that life looks like patience with other people, kindness towards other people, not being jealous or envious of other people. You know, like if they've gotten their online certification for for uh, for being a prophet, you're not jealous of them. You know, you're not rude, you know, with, like I'm being right now, um, you know, or happy. Uh, you're not rude or happy when people fail. You know, have you ever had that person that, that you just, you're just not really ha not, not in love with and, and something bad happens to them? And for a moment, you're like, hee, hee, hee. We're not like that. We actually feel bad for that person because of the of the, of the pain and, and, and the difficulty they're going through right now. They may be a complete and total jerk, but that doesn't mean that they just should be allowed to just go through these difficult times. Good morning, Ashley. Good to see you. So it's a life where we make the, con the simple conscious choice to love one another. It's, you see, it's, not, it's just not that complicated. Our life as Christians is, was never meant to be overly complicated. Um, even God's word, it was never meant to be so complicated that no one could read it. It was actually written, most of the New Testament was written in a version of Greek uh, known as fish market Greek. So the common man, the least educated among us, would be able to get something out of it. It was meant to be easy and straightforward and plain, nothing hidden between the lines. So if you think about this, if you, if, if you think of the supernatural application of this idea, it might look something like this, that if your friend is sick, pray for them. Um, if they're discouraged, be there for them. Help them through it. Um, if they're cold, give them a blanket. If they're hungry, give them some food. If they offend you, forgive them. If you forget, if you offend them, ask them for forgiveness, humility. And the list goes on. Paul gives us this, this application of what life looks like, or really what it should like, look like for the believer. And the cool thing is, you don't need a, cert a certification to go do it. Right, you don't need to go to the online, you know, Bill and Ted's online school of spiritual accomplishment um, to uh, uh, to get your certification as a prophet. I'm sorry, I'm ha I know I'm hitting on that, but the, I I don't know if you realize how much this has bugged me over the last couple of days. Just the idea that this is a real thing and people are paying money for this nonsense—it's just dry. It's just driving me nuts, um, especially with everything going on uh, with with the church nationwide. Like this becomes a focus. So here's, here's, here's kind of where this is going today. So my personal feeling is that there is a large portion, a large portion of the Christian community, not all, obviously, um, that has become so enamored with personal, the pursuit of personal spiritual accomplishment that we have forgotten the importance of simply serving and knowing him. We, we look at things like, you know, wow, our worship team wants to be the next Jesus culture. Oh, our church needs to be the next, you know, Bethel or Hillsong or Elevation or, or, or whatever. We, we become so enamored with this, this rise of Christian celebrityism that we forgot about the day-to-day -day relationship one to, one to another. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. People who have, have accomplished, accomplished great things, awesome. That's good for them. But it's nothing that should be a draw for us. We shouldn't be aiming for that. We should be allowing God to determine what happens in that in that uh, in, in that process for them and for us. And whatever happens happens as long as we are honestly and openly and in humility serving Him. Whatever happens in our life is the right thing that should be happening for us for the purposes and needs of, of God. So, if you think about this, First Peter three fifteen, this is kind of my life verse. It says, "But preach a Messiah as holy in the, uh, uh, as Lord in your hearts, while remaining always ready." To give a reasoned answer, a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have, yet with humility and fear. So we should be. Uh, this is what I mean by having the uh, um, spending our time learning how to accurately and historically and truthfully explain the gospel, to give answers to people for the hope that we have that they obviously don't have. When people start asking us these difficult questions, like how can we do this? Um, you know, how can we live like this? Do we do we actually have answers for them? And this is an important thing. So let me give you a, a, a couple of uh, let me give you an example of a conversation that I have had many times 
um, with, with people today when it comes to the church. So when you talk about the current state of the church around, around the world, and, and you, can, you can apply this in all kinds of different ways, and I'm not trying to be specific towards any one group. There you go. The death of a, th- a thousand qualifications. So let's move on. Um, people say things like this. We need to get back to the book of Acts. You know, I, I've heard this my entire Christian life. I've heard this. We need to get back to the book of Acts. Um, and I tend to ask simple questions about that because that's a, that's a very broad statement. There's, there's a lot there. So I want to know what people are specifically talking about. So I ask a question like this. What, what do you mean by that? And the answer is always the same. Well, we need to get back to the way the church was back then. We need to get back to the way the church was back then. Okay. In the book of Acts. Yes. Okay. Um, so what was the church like back then? Okay. For someone who's going to say, we need to get back to the book of Acts, especially Acts chapter two, we need to get back to the way the church was back then. To ask the question, what was the church like back then? That should not be a difficult question. If you're going to make this statement, you should at least know what the church was like back then. The problem is a lot of people don't. A lot of people do, but a whole lot more people don't. Um, they've heard that statement at a conference or from a big name speaker, and they just think, yeah, yeah, we need to get back to that. And they have no idea what they're actually talking about. So I asked a really simple question. What is it about the church in Acts chapter 2? Because the answer is almost always the same. Well, you know, like in Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's I don't have a problem with that. So, But what about the church in Acts chapter 2 do you want to get back to? What is it about the church then that's different from the church now that you think we need to get back to? Do you want everyone in your church to start selling off all their possessions and, and giving all the money to the poor? Not a bad thing, right? But the answer is usually uh, no. Well, do you want... Do you want to start allowing random people from the church to start showing up to your house? You know, they're, uh, they're, they're walking down the street tonight and they don't under, um, they don't really, um, they don't really uh, have a place to stay tonight. So they're going to just camp out in your living room. By the way, they're going to be there for breakfast and they're probably going to do laundry while they're going. Are, are you okay with that? Uh, no. Uh, this is, uh, no. Um, okay. So are you ready to start hosting Bible studies in your house? Every day that could last for hours and you have no idea who's going to be there. And some people might expect to be fed. Uh, what do you mean by every day? <laughs> you see, we, we forget exactly, uh, exactly, Rebecca, Jewish people under persecution. Yes, let's, let's get back to that because, you know, that's not happening today. So you ask questions like this. So do you think the Jerusalem church model or the Antioch church model in the book of Acts is the one that we should be shooting for for today? So when people say the church should get back to the book of Acts, this is a lot, this is a simple logical question. There are two very, very prominent church models in the book of Acts. One is the Jerusalem church model. One is the Antioch church model. Um, most people don't know that that actually exists, that there's actually two different church models that exist in the book of Acts. And they think, well, um, uh, um, you know, um, uh, you know, why should we care what, what, what type of, what type of church model that we're talking about? We just need to get back to the book of Acts. Well, here's, here's, here's an honest, honest answer to that. Um, the, the Jerusalem church model was kind of socialist based. It was sort of like a re- type of religious commune socialism kind of thing. It's the way they did it there. Oh, and by the way, it failed. And every time throughout history where that, that particular church model has been tried, has tried to be redeployed, it still fails for the same reasons. You, you, you talk, you, you let people know this and you think, what are you talking about? The first century church wasn't sort of socialist in their, in their mentality. Yes, they were. Ah. What I often find is that we have this overly romanticized idea of what you, of what used to be. Um, uh, yeah, Rebecca, I believe I, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same way with that. I'd love to have Bible studies every day. I think it would be a lot, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah, that's really, wear a mask and socially distance. Um, so, uh, but if you, if you start, you, 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 let me backtrack. What I often find is that, uh, that people have this overly romanticized idea of the past, of what used to be and how things were written down, but we forget that our written accounts of history, even if they're good, leave a lot of details out. They leave a lot of details out. Um, it's never as awesome as we might read. There, we tend to, we tend to, to, um, to chronicle the high points and the low points, but we forget about all the stuff in between. We talk about the really amazing things and the really difficult things, but we forget about everyday life. It's really easy for us as Christians to use canned claims, okay, and clever phrases that you may hear from a conference speaker to try to motivate yourself to tell other people what they should be doing, which is what usually happens. 
It's a lot different when we are just sitting down at lunch talking to our coworker who just recently lost a spouse to cancer or they're, they're, or they're, someone in their family is in the process of dying or they've lost a child or maybe they've miscarried or they're in the middle of real serious financial or marital issues or you know, thing, things that are going on. you got people who are scared to death um, of, of even stepping outside the door. People are sitting down and, and they ask you how you can believe in a God who is supposed to be good but lets all of this stuff happen. I've had this conversation more in the last nine months probably than in the last couple of years. People say, I don't know how you can expect me to put my faith in a God who is supposed to be good, oh, and by the way, and is in control of everything who would allow this to happen. So can you explain that one to me? Uh, And actually, yes, I can, and it's not even that difficult. You see, all I had to do was reach into my wallet and pull out my certified profit license and everything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was uh, one more opportunity to, to make a dig at that. No, there are answers for this, and the answer comes from an understanding of God's word. Being able to to actually explain and defend the Christian faith from a standpoint of truth, being able to apply God's word to re to, to to real life and help people understand why things happen the way they happen and how God can walk through those. This is not an overly difficult task, and as Christians, we should be able to do this. This is literally our job. But what ends up happening more often than not is that people feel they find themselves getting very personally challenged. Um, they get difficult questions that they can't answer, and the true level of the of their understanding of the understanding that they have of their own faith becomes very apparent. And sometimes people even begin to question their faith themselves. Yeah, why would God allow that? Why would a good God allow so much difficulty in the world? There's a simple answer for that, and if you want to go back in uh, to, to some of the other um, uh, previous podcasts, I did one. Why would a good God let? Uh, what, I think it's why would a good God um, uh, there, and we actually answer that question. There's actually a very simple way of answering that, um, and I'm not going to get into it today because I have too many other things to get through. So, um, but what ends up happening is, um, what do you what do you do then when you realize that you are lacking in your ability to actually reach out to uh, to other people? Um, and you know that you should be functioning at a higher level than you act, than you than you currently are. What is it that you do now? How is it that we are supposed to proceed from there? You see, uh, in the early days of my own walk with the Lord, this happened to me quite a bit. I've worked for a long time in the restaurant industry, and those of you who don't who don't know, the restaurant industry is not necessarily a clean, moral, or sober environment. And by sober, I don't mean equally minded. I mean most people are just drunk most of the time. It was just kind of the way it worked, especially in some of the some of the privately owned places that I've that I've spent time in. And as a Christian, you're targeted very very quickly. Oh, you're one of those. So I actually had a, had a group that I was working with for a little while, and everyone treated me like crap for, a, for like a solid month. I mean, like really treated me like crap. The entire reason was several of them had a bet going on who could get me to swear first. And like they wouldn't, I mean, they got me there. It was no, no hesitation. No, no, dropping all the personal pride. They got me there. Uh, and when it happened, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It happened. And I, uh, Amanda, good to see you here. Um, I, I was shocked because when it, when it came out of my mouth, the guy clapped his hands, raised his hands in the air, and he's like, I won. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And, and it, it I, I stopped immediately in my tracks. I'm like, what are you talking about? You won. And seriously, other people came over and handed the guy money. What just happened? And then they finally told me what, what, what was going on. They were nice to me after that. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. But these are people that I'm supposed to be reaching with the gospel, and this is what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm receiving from them? Yep, this is just the way it works. But I needed to find a way to be able to answer these questions to, to deal with these people because after that, even in that location, there are were quite a few people who came who who realized that if they were having a difficult time, I was going to sit down and try to try to help them in some way, shape, or form. It's happened everywhere. It's happened in every restaurant that I've worked at. But it challenged me because I realized I didn't know enough. I didn't understand enough. I didn't have a grasp on this, and I knew that the answer "you should go talk to my pastor" was a horrible answer uh, because my pastor is a Christian. So am I. I should have answers. I should be able 
to explain the faith that I believe has forgiven me of my sins and is going to give me entrance into heaven. I should at least be able to answer the basic fundamental questions of that. So I had two options. I could do nothing and just cruise on by and keep directing people to the, uh, you know, to, to, to the pastor, to the other people in church. You need to go t- talk, talk to people who are both smarter and more serious about their faith than I am. Or I could take the responsibility for my own faith and my own understanding and get to work and so that I would have answers. And that's what I did. Um, and it's been, it's not something that you just spend a little time doing and then finally you're done. It is a lifetime pursuit of understanding, knowledge, and personal development. Um, but when it comes to giving answers for your faith, are, are you ready? Do you have answers? You know, do you have answers for the people who are around you? Uh, and if not, what do you do? Where do you, where do you go? How do you, how do you, how do you, um, uh, pursue this? Um, and just a hint, the, the best way to pursue it is not by taking an online course to become a certified prophet. That might be the last time that I throw that out there, but it, it, it might not. We'll, 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 we'll go there. So um, Psalm 11.3 says this, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, this isn't directly speaking to, to the Bible as we know it, but the, the statement itself is, is very clear. The, if the foundations of anything are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So when you talk about righteousness, what is the found what is the foundation of our faith as followers of Christ? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? Um, how are we supposed to be honoring God? What are we supposed to do in our life? Um, I'm going to show you a, a video clip of a very popular false teacher. His name is Andy Stanley. Some of you know him. And here is how he answers that question about what is the foundation of our faith. Now check this out. The foundation of our faith is not the scripture. The foundation of our faith is not the infallibility of the Bible. The foundation of our faith is something that happened in history. And the issue is always, who is Jesus? That's always the issue. Okay. The foundation of our faith is not the scriptures. Now, he, he gets to the end and people go, oh, wow, that's so wise. Listen to what he's saying. He says the, 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 the real thing is, who is Jesus? Now, let's, let's examine that just for a second because this is a popular viewpoint within the church today we push the 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 inerrancy and the 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 foundation of god's word in our faith off to the side to embrace a more modern a more tolerant socially acceptable version of the gospel which is exactly what he has done in his in his church and in his writing and in his life um but he's not only monumentally wrong okay his logic is actually inconsistent in the argument itself. So let's let's ask a couple of really simple questions here. What is our only means by which we can understand the character and nature of Christ? What is the only means by which we can understand the character and nature of Christ? So if you want to put your faith in Christ, how do you know that you're doing it? How do you know that you're actually putting your faith in Christ. The only way is through his word. The only way you know even who Jesus is, is through here, is, is through his word, is through the Bible. Now you think about this. If you look at all of the gospels, if you look at the makeup of the Bible, you have the Old Testament writings, you have you have the history books, the poet books, you have the, the, the major minor prophets, however you want to look at it. And then you have and then we we break it. We we have we have uh, um, we have we have scheduled and 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 basically set the Bible up so that there's this Old Testament and then there's the New Testament. And now, as modern Christians, we want to be in the New Testament because we don't want to be associated with the Old Testament because the Old Testament is old. So we don't need any of that, right? But here's a challenge for you. I've put this out. No one's ever been able to do it. Take your Bible and rip all of the Old Testament out of it. Just tear it out. If it's if it's so unnecessary, just get rid of it. Now, in other messages, Andy Stanley has also said, as Christians, we need to separate ourselves. These are his words. We need to separate, detach ourselves from the Old Testament teachings. He actually did a message, I think it was a year and a half ago, it was titled, Thou Shalt Not Follow the Ten Commandments, where he says the Ten Commandments are outdated and we don't need, don't need to, to, to deal with them. It was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. But this is the stance that he takes because, you know, we just need to be New Testament Christians. But if you take the Old Testament out, you have no basis. You don't even know. Jesus could have been anyone. He could have made any of those claims up. Born of a virgin. Why? 
Okay, so you got a baby born of a virgin. What difference does that make? You see, without the Old Testament, you don't even know why that's important. Okay, so he's born in Bethlehem. Who cares? Without the Old Testament, you don't even know why that's important. Um, uh, uh, born at this particular time, even the year of his birth. You don't even know why that's important because the Old Testament is the key to understanding all of it. The Gospels are not just the beginning of the New Testament. They're the end of the Old Testament. They're the completion of the promise. They what? They're, they are what show us that God was faithful to all the promises he made throughout the Old Testament and brought them into completion exactly the way that he outlined them throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament is remarkably important to your faith and unbelievably valuable to us even today in understanding the character and nature of God. Even all of Paul's writings throughout the church, throughout his letters, they're all corrective writings. What he uses as his foundation for that correction is the Old Testament teachings because they reveal the real character and nature of God. So when you discount the way in any way, the accuracy and inerrancy of the word of God, you also open the door to doubt all of it. When you say that the Bible is just a collection of myths, now all of a sudden this no longer becomes the word of God which by which I will be judged. This becomes a collection of stories that are a little outdated for today. You know, this book's really old. It's not like we need to really need to believe it today, right? Are we supposed to actually put this in into into play today? I mean, because, you know, um, the 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 inerrancy and historical accuracy of the Bible wasn't part of my uh, my, my class on how to become a certified prophet. It just wasn't there. Uh, we were we were concentrating on other things. I told you that would show up again at some point in time. Now, for example, let me give you, let me give you an example of this because this happens in in major denominations all over the place. Many many years ago, the United Methodist Church began um, kind of renouncing specific doctrines within the church. It began where typically most of these begin with a denial of the creation account. They deny the accuracy of Genesis. Once you open that door, the inevitable domino effect is is almost predictable. Not not in in years and how long it takes, but the fall is almost always the same. In every denomination that has done it, this has begun to happen. So the uh, the church, this this uh, the United Methodist Church has been fighting for years to let go of the biblical teachings on marriage and sexual purity, okay? Now, a group has broken away because they're tired of waiting. They keep putting this thing into committee and pushing it back, and finally, they're done. They're, they've had enough of it, and they're breaking it away, and they're starting a new movement called the Liberation Methodist Connection, connection with an X, because it's trendy. Here's a few of their statements. Check this out. Correct doctrine is less important than uh, to the new denomination than correct action. <laughs> Wait, what? I thought this was a Bible-based group. This is that they that they want to want to uh, move out into theological correctness and and embrace the truth of God. If you actually look just above it, it says its uh, uh, its theology is not written in stone, uh, which means it's malleable. You can bend and shape it based on whatever you need for that that particular day. Look at this one in the bottom. Says there are no doctrinal uh, litmus tests in the movement. We are moving beyond the supremacy of a single belief system. We are moving beyond. <laughs> it's, it's even hard to say the supremacy of a single belief system. Wow, are you kidding me? Is this is this even a joke? Um, uh, oh, I forgot to put in the last the last slide. I apologize. Um, uh, I'll go back to here. Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to show you two of me. One of me is bad enough. But here, here's the idea. When you, when you take the Bible and you, you move it from the inerrant, timeless word of God, and suddenly be, it becomes nothing more than a few nice stories, at that point, everyone does whatever they want. Exactly. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king among them. Um, it's unbelievable how fast and how, honestly how predictable this happens. And it is interesting to me that the, the larger denominations that have done this, 
It all began in the same place. They all began with the denial of the account of Genesis. And they say the same thing. Nope, God could not have created because science says. At some point, I'm going to do a creation series um, uh, through here. Uh, those of you who know me know that that is my, my number one focus on, on so many things. Um, that if the first five words of the Bible, in the beginning God created, are not true, then the rest of it is not true. If God is going to lie to us from sentence number one, then we have a real issue with anything else that's there. If God is going to lie to us about that, how do we know that heaven's even real? See, the reality is God didn't lie to us, and that nature and science actually shows, because it does, shows that God's word is true every step of the way, and we can have faith in everything that it says from the beginning to the end, from the first word to the last word. It is all what we need it to be. But the idea of moving beyond the supremacy of a single belief system, this is a, a, a belief that is growing in the church, and I'm talking about the Christian church, and it's called panentheism, okay? Um, and basically, it means that all belief systems draw their power and their meaning, uh, their meaning and their purpose from the same God. So the idea here, and this has been popularized by a guy named Richard Rohr, um, he has a book uh, out, it's called The Universal Christ. I'm actually working my way through it now. Um, it's a, uh, don't buy it. Just, just don't buy it. He is a, uh, um, I think, uh, uh, he's a monk of some kind, um, uh, an offshoot of the Catholic Church. Can't, can't remember, in, in, uh, can't remember what exactly the, the title is. I apologize for that. But he is, um, he's there, and he has chosen that belief system as the, the way that he wants to live his life. But he does not believe, he does not believe in the deity of Christ. He doesn't believe in the supremacy of God. He doesn't believe in salvation through Christ's work on the cross. He believes that all religions, all belief systems, serve the same God, come from the same God, get their direction from the same God, and they all lead to the same place, panentheism. How can a Christian, at any level, believe that kind of drivel, that kind of nonsense? It is through... Christ that we are saved alone. According to God's word, alone. There is no other way. Narrow is the way. I am the door. My sheep know my... How many different ways do we have to approach this where Jesus says, there is no other way to the Father except through me. No other way. But when we make God's word into nothing more than a collection of of inspiring stories that are all lies, we willingly destroy our foundation. And when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? At that point, truth is subjective, which is what we see happening in a lot of the church today. Sin becomes subjective. You know, it might be a sin to you, but it's not a sin to me. See, I've, me and God have talked about it. And uh, we've made a deal. We've kind of worked this thing out. You know, God knows my heart, and um, uh, he seems to be okay with it. You know, it's not like he struck me dead. Forgiveness becomes subjective. Interesting. And grace, think about this. When we destroy the foundation of the truth of God's word as our sole, only source of authority, grace becomes so cheap that it has no power because it no longer requires repentance. Think about that just for a second. Grace becomes so cheap that it, that it has no power because you don't need to repent anymore. All I need to do is change my definition of sin. In so many so-called Christian circles, we have watered down the gospel so much from the single message of salvation for the sin of all men. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That the message, uh, to a message of how religious people used to live before they got smart. You know, um, and, and now, now smart religious people 
have changed with the times and they've updated their views. They don't need that old book that, that, that some people cling to called the Bible. Um, what we need to do now is just update our thinking and get used to what's uh, get get more uh, uh, attached to what's going on in the modern times uh, because that's where people really are and that's where people are really needing you. Wow. Um, we've turned the pulpits of God's word where preachers are called and commanded to teach and train the body for the work of the ministry. Every church in the world, every church in America, everyone who sits and teaches at a Bible study or at a small group, how, whatever you want to call them, every time, wherever they are, that's a pulpit. Whether they're stand by, standing behind a wooden pulpit or standing on a rock in the middle of a field, doesn't matter, that's a pulpit. Anyone in that situation is called and commanded to do the exact same thing, to teach and train the body for the work of the ministry. To bring the gospel message and the understanding of that message to believers so that they can relay that message to other people. That's the process. We've changed that into some sort of Bible-themed TED Talk and a motivational speech designed to avoid at all costs the risk of offending people. Because the last thing you want to do is tell Christians that they may have something wrong in their life. The last thing you want to do as a believer today is to tell the world that they have it wrong and that they need what you have. Though it, you think about from the outside looking in, the arrogance that, uh, that's, that the world can see in Christianity, which is unfortunately necessary, when we call out to the world and say, we have what all of you need and all of you are wrong and all of you are in danger of hell if you do not accept this thing that we're bringing to you. It's no wonder when you look around at the world around us and the way the church has portrayed itself, why people tend to not listen. I'm not saying that the gospel isn't moving forward because we all, because we all know if you're paying attention, you all know that it is in a lot of, a lot of places. And right now people are more open to the message of hope than I think they have been in a long time. And this is a great opportunity for us to get involved, but we need to be able to get involved in a way where we have answers for people because you can't just drag someone to church. You've actually, to me, this is actually really interesting because you, you can't just drag someone to a meeting. You have to be involved and engaged in that person on a personal level. You either have to bring them to your house and, 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 and sit down and watch the service with them, or you've got to actually share this video or any of the other ones that we, we put out with other people. You need to be involved in this thing, and then you need to be connected with them because when you send them that video and if they watch it, they're going to come back to you with questions. So you have to be personally invested in this. It's very interesting that God would put the church in a place where this is so necessary today, where people are so open and, and searching so much for a message of hope. Yet around the world, you have so many churches stomping their feet and crying and whining and smashing and saying, no, we don't want to do this. We want to get back to the way it was before where I could just tell someone they needed to go talk to my pastor. Don't take that too far. You all, you all know where, where I'm going with that. I'm not, I'm not intentionally beating anyone up. It's just, it's just kind of the way, the, the way it works at the moment. We should be capitalizing on this, folks, but we need to we need to take ownership of what it is that we're doing in our in our life and in our faith. And this 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 whole idea of, you know, I want to serve God, but first I need to be I need to go to Bible school or I need to get my certification as a prophet. I would pray for someone to, for them to be healed, but I'm not a certified healer. It's unbel it's unbelievable to me that this is that this is so uh, prevalent in our society today, uh, and that so many people within the church are willing to just drop all of their understanding at the door and 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 chase after this. Not everyone is. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to do. We've got to do better. We've got to take ownership of our faith. We need to begin to learn and understand this thing that we call the Word of God and how it applies to our life and into the lives of others, so that we can share it to people in a way that is both meaningful and useful to them. So that God can get a hold of them the same way God got a hold of you. That's the idea. As much as people like to say church isn't about numbers, I got news for you. Heaven is about numbers. It's when you, I would rather have a million people in heaven who, 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 who didn't really know as much as they probably could have than to get a thousand people into heaven who were Bible scholars. Um, it's, I'd rather, I'd rather be populating heaven. I'd rather be getting people there. 
They'll learn all they need to know there. They'll learn it better than, than, than I can teach them. But we need to be reaching out to these people with this message of hope. And it needs to be grounded in the truth of God's word. It needs to be grounded in the reality of, uh, of salvation through Christ and Christ alone. We've got to get back to this idea of the simple, straightforward, basic message that Jesus handed to us. He said, take this, go into all the nations to make disciples of all people. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them what I taught you. Okay. And he promises he'll be with us. I think it's very important. Well, anyway, I think I've I think I've I've, I've ranted enough for one for one day. Um, hopefully, that was uh, somewhat um, somewhat useful for you. Uh, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you all. Uh, remember, um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be switching over to just the between meals platforms. And uh, let me quickly explain why that is happening. Um, so, in order to grow a channel, in order to grow a uh, a process. Um, having it out on multiple platforms is actually very, very counterproductive because your um, uh, the algorithms that actually help share what you're doing are based off of individual channel feeds and 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 views. So when it comes to this particular podcast, um, there may I mean in reality I'll get somewhere between five and seven hundred views uh, a, a week with this, which I think is just unbelievable. It's just it's more than I actually, I actually would have would have imagined. Um, but they're spread out over all of these different platforms. Um, so for podcasting, for the audio portion of it, it's not that big of a deal. But when it comes to YouTube, especially YouTube, um, the uh, the number of views within a specific platform become very, very important. Otherwise, they don't promote you. Uh, and like I said, when I first started this channel, I actually gave the church my old channel, which had all of my subscribers in it. Um, so when I moved over, it became very difficult. So the best thing you could do to help to help grow this channel, to grow, to help me grow, uh, grow this ministry, is to get in, a, uh, get in to the Between Meals um, YouTube channel, watch from there, and um, uh, comment, subscribe, and share from there, or from the First Five Ministry um, Facebook page, which actually is going to be switching over to Between Meals. Uh, everything's kind of in this process of moving over. Those are the two best platforms to use because if they all drop into the same spot, things get shared uh, shared more easily, and it actually helps move this forward um uh yeah thank you guys all for being here appreciate you i love you all uh if i don't see you sunday i'll see you next wednesday 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 lord bless you have a fantastic day see you